Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Yeah, hello, welcome to the show. It's the 9th of January, 2018. It's a Tuesday, and we're going to do something we haven't done, and it seems like, a well, since last year. Uh, and that's have my sister Susan on. Hi, Susan. Hi. Hi. Susan is now, I always like to geographically place you, uh, Susan is now in uh, the Pacific uh, time zone, so it's pretty early uh, for her. Uh, did you walk the dog? Well, actually, I am trying to do so even as we speak. You're walking the dog? <laughs> well, not very successfully because it's raining. Well, and yeah. He, he wants to go out, but now he's refusing to walk. So the good news is I'm about to go back in the house. Okay. Um, <laughs> what about that song? There's a song, It Never Rains in Southern California. Guess that's not true. What about what about what? There's a song. It never rains in Southern California, doesn't it? In Southern California. Well, it's a, it's supposed to not rain in the desert, but that's true. You're in the desert too. But I guess into every it's life. It's actually sort of yeah. A little it's rain. Glorious when it does. Must fall. Yeah. It, yes, and everything turns uh, you know green and. And it's nice. If we get a little more of it, we'll get another super bloom. And it would be very nice. Okay. What do we know from super blooms? Here we're ice skating. Well, I'll tell you. Um, and uh, I'll tell you how socked in we are, though. It's very interesting because I just looked. Um, from where I look out into the backyard here, I can see a full semicircle of mountains around me. Mm-hmm. This morning, I can't see anything. You wouldn't know there was a mountain there. Wow! So that's fog. I've or? never, I've never seen anything like that. Is that fog? <laughs> it's low clouds, I guess. Well, and maybe some fog. I don't get it. It doesn't look foggy. Well, Very wait weird. a minute. Anyway, hi. Well, hi. Enough already. But I mean, wait a minute. Uh, isn't fog essentially a low cloud? Yeah, it is. Or yeah. but sometimes it's, uh, fog is created uh, from the, the ground cloud up. Itself is created by from the ground up, right? right, right from right. Uh, from moisture, um, you know, turning into evaporating. Uh, whatever that is, evaporating. <laughs> it's early. It's pretty early here. I know. I know. I know. Um, okay. Well, are, are you indoors now? And. Uh, I am. Not I attached am. to a dog? I am staring longingly at my coffee pot. I'm going to make some coffee. Okay. All right. Well, let's let's. Okay, go ahead. this up I, and... This is me avoiding you. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, the story that um, I find most uh, upsetting, so why not just start with upsetting, because uh, I just can't get it out of my head um the the damage this is going to do to so many people's lives and that is uh the wonderful empath we have in the white house who's surrounded also by a bunch of white nationalists 
kicking out um, a quarter of a million people who are in this country and have been here since the beginning of this century. So that's all. And who have and who have <laughs> children who are citizens here yeah. and who have had jobs and contributed to our economy and been upright citizens and done everything they were asked to do. That's right. And at this point, certainly relied on the government over and over and over again. At a certain point, it would seem to me that a government is a stopped from saying, okay, now we change your mind, go home, go back to where you have no connections, no anything, and to a country that can't take care of you, and that relies on those people being here and working, he's bringing down the economy of Honduras. Well, uh, uh, which is no, El Salvador. To begin with. Well, uh, Honduras, I mean, this is El well, Salvador well, specifically. But, Susan, uh, the, the reality is, is that, as you say, the economic impact not just on the El Salvador, the economic impact on the United States of this is huge, and so much so that the Chamber of Commerce, who I don't think of as a uh, lefty outfit, the Chamber of Commerce is uh, against this because they know how much business and small businesses rely on the labor of these people um it is it is so disgusting think of somebody here since 2001 they have children now who are american citizens who are teenagers and now they are told you get the hell out of here you got 12 months to get your crap together and get the hell out of here meaning what Leave. That means they have to separate themselves from their families and become essentially refugees returning to a country that doesn't want them and they can't really deal with an influx of people like that. And a country which relies on these guys in the United States sending money back to their families in El Salvador. So this creates yeah, it's a huge so hard. It's like fifteen percent of their GMP. It's it's beyond belief. And here's a here, here, let me just tell you who these people are. We are about to throw out a quarter of a million tax-paying members of our society. Uh, they have amongst them almost two hundred thousand American children. Two hundred thousand American children. Eighty-eight percent, these are all stats, I'm getting them from uh, the Times today. Eighty-eight percent of these El Salvadorans that have come here as part of this program are working. They have jobs. They participate in the labor force, which, by the way, is a much higher percentage than mo if you look at all Americans all Americans only 63% of Americans are are in the labor force 88% of this demographic we're about to kick out of the country with their 200,000 children Americans all one quarter of them have a mortgage all of them pay taxes. 
Are we out of our minds? I mean, where, where this sort of meanness and racism and xenophobia trump, pun intended, trump our own economic interests. It's unbelievable. It's why the Chamber of Commerce is saying, I mean, what the hell are you doing? Like, it's not like this was on anybody's radar screen. It's not like people are going, get rid of those people that have been here for 20 years. That's, you know, they're, they're identifying who, whole groups of people that nobody had any trouble with. Right. And you know what? That we're, we're focusing on the Salvadorans now because they are the largest group that has been told to pack up and get the hell out. But last year, which granted was just a few weeks ago, last year the Trump administration did the same to people from Sudan, to people from Haiti, to people from Nicaragua. And first of all, what do they all have in common? They are not white. What do they all also have in common? If you add them all up, you end up with a million people who have been living here, some as long as 18 years, who, as I said, have jobs, are contributing, are taxpayers, have not violated the law, are clean, good citizens with hundreds of thousands of children born here and thusly American, and we are going to throw them out, send them back to countries that cannot deal with such an influx? It's insanity. The only way you can be for it is if you want fewer black and brown people in the country. I don't know what other possible reason there would be. And listen to this one guy, Susan, in Houston, where they're still cleaning up from uh, the hurricane there. Uh, this is a guy who uh, runs a... Um, He's the chief executive of a construction company. And he says, I've got 29 Salvadorans on my payroll. They are incredible workers. I'm going to have to fire them because they now are losing the, the, their status, their, their, the status that allowed them to be uh, legally right. hired. And he said, and this at a time, when we already have a labor shortage in the Houston area, uh, not enough people to deal with all the construction and reconstruction that is uh, needed in the wake of the hurricane. And, and so a guy like this may well have voted for Trump, but he looks at this and says, what the hell are you doing? When racism well, and, trumps I mean, self-interest. And, and these are people that not only will they not have, you know, any hands to replace them, but these companies put money into these workers. So some of these workers were at company expense uh, trained to be, uh, you know, craftsmen, plumbers, uh, electricians. These are... Uh, 
this is not a, you know, don't think of this as a migrant worker workforce. This is middle class people that have made good lives, homeowners, paid taxes, done everything right. Yeah. Hey, um, I, I'm being told there's and a... We're gra- and we're granted a status that really is not all that changed from when they came. And it was based on that status. And I don't understand that. I mean, where where we've got to wait for someone to they have to come get someone and then a lawyer can step in and say, stop. But I this can't I, I if this can be allowed under our American justice system, then I am. I'm just plain old heartbroken. Well, I, Susan, I, I was I was saying yesterday uh I'm being told by a listener that there's a hum that is obviously annoying him. Um, Susan, do you hear a hum, too? I don't hear any. No, I don't hear a hum. It's coming I get from a me. delay, but I don't get a hum. Or her. Oh. <laughs> We're going to blame you. No. Are you on a cell? Well, you want me to, you yeah, want me to call, call back in? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, there isn't a landline in California. <laughs> she doesn't have a landline. <laughs> a what? A landline? I thought those were things we were trying to get rid of. Landmines, right? Landmines, landlines. They definitely get. Yeah. All right. Well, Suze, I've been saying that I just um, I don't recognize this country anymore. It does not in any way reflect my values. And um, I'm taking a knee. I can't, I can't pledge allegiance to this nation as it currently is constituted and as it presents itself to the world. It's an embarrassment. I'm shamed. Yeah. I'm shamed. Well, by yeah. It. I mean, I was already taking a knee, so I'll take two knees. Okay. That's that's fine. I mean, I just unbelievable. Speaking of taking a knee. Did you see, not that I watched it, there was a, a big football, college football game on last night. It was supposedly... No, the, I didn't watch all right, it. All right. It was supposedly the national championship. Yeah, uh, the Georgia game, yeah. Yeah, and uh, the president uh, was there. And <laughs> he was on the field when the national anthem was sung. And there is video of him standing. Not knowing the words. Clearly <laughs> not knowing the words. Clearly not knowing the words. Every once in a while he goes, he does not. I mean, in a way, looking at that, that is more mind-boggling than anybody taking a knee, which has nothing to do with the anthem itself. But here's a guy who thinks the anthem is so, and disrespecting the anthem is such a big deal. And then if you put a tight camera on him while the anthem is happening and he's supposedly singing it, you will note he doesn't know the words. Check it out. Somebody told me that... I don't know. I don't... What? I don't know why we're ever surprised about this. I'm sorry. This is the delay playing out, if you understand what I, I know. Mean. I know. It's, it's um, bugging us. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, 
Well, it's been going for a while. I've been, and this is just an aside. I've decided that they delay me for your so that uh, you know you can bleep me or hang up on me. No, 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 no. Well, that's not it. No, there is no. We don't have a delay. We have no delay here. Well, I I got a delay. (laughs) So this is a well. That's what cell phones do. It's why I really don't like talking on them. You always end up stepping on each other. There's a slight delay, which doesn't happen on landlines. Uh, anyway. <clears throat> okay. Anyway. Uh, so the, the idiot doesn't know. And I did see someone on Twitter said, and I didn't know this, but that performers know that if you forget the words to a song and you want to look like you're still singing... What you do is you say the word watermelon over and over again. Watermelon, watermelon, watermelon. It moves your your lips lips in a way that I guess works for almost anything. Watermelon, watermelon, watermelon. So somebody needs to tell the old prez. I mean, I used to do this bit all the time if I couldn't think of anything to do for the news. Is I'd go downtown and I'd stop people on the street and I'd say... Sing the Star Spangled Banner for me. And nobody knows it. Nobody knows the words to it. because They think they do. We all think we do. But when... But you get help from the crowd. But we never sing it alone. And the minute you start trying to sing it alone, I'll tell you what you find out. You get mixed up. Because we're always prompted by the voices around us. And... I could go, (coughs) excuse me, I could stop um, 20, 30, 40 people, some of them very, oh, of course I know the words, and and not find anyone who who made it all the way through. I remember one day I was on Walnut Street and Shadyside doing it, and finally I had somebody who sang it all the way through, and it was like an an eight-year-old little um, Asian-American girl. That was it. <laughs> Nobody else. And I mean, you could say, oh, yeah, I can. But <clears throat> uh, in the moment, you might not be able to. But that might just be, you know, performance anxiety because Lynn Cullen's standing in front of you with a microphone. Well, that's know. true, too. But I mean, if I were to try to do it now, I, I don't know. Shall I try? Oh, say, can you see by the dawn? Well, I, I, I think I could early do it. light. What so proudly we hailed. The reason you don't remember it is it doesn't make any sense to us. It just seems like sentence fragments. What so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming. And now I want to say who's bright stars and bright stars. That's not right. Uh, Twilight's last gleaming. Okay, help me. Oh, say, can you see? Oh, say, can you see? By the dawn, by the, the probably we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming. gleaming. It is whose broad, wait, wait, whose broad stripes and bright stars. Yeah. We're so, what? We so gallantly watched. We so stripes, stars, gallantly watched. We're so gallantly streaming. Gleaming? Streaming. Streaming. So, or the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming. 
And the rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air, gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. Who say does this, our spangled banner yet Okay, it's that beginning shit that people can't get through because they don't know from ramparts, they don't know from what the hell is that talking about? It is the crappiest song. Didn't you always sing the Home of the Braves when you were a little Yeah, kid? yeah, we did, because in, in Milwaukee, if because you read we it, thought it was. I a never Braves game in Milwaukee Braves. Home of the Braves. Well, if you were there, of course that's what you'd say. Of course, then the Braves left. And <laughs> maybe they do that in uh, Atlanta now. Maybe. Okay. So, oh. total total change of subject. Did you read the, the uh, New York Times article today about children and lying and, and that it's the smarter kids that lie? <laughs> I did see that. And um, I found it upsetting. Made me feel a whole lot better about my whole childhood. <laughs> yeah, because Susan was the liar in chief. I don't, don't, as I, as I read it, I thought of you. I did. Well, yeah, but I mean, I was I was a merciful liar. Mom and Dad were so exhausted by you and our brother that by the time I came along, they simply had no tolerance for the truth. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Bill used to prove that by telling him the truth, and Mother would always laugh as if he were kidding. Right, and Dad would just forget about it because he couldn't handle it. So um, <laughs> there you go. By the way, nobody else hears that. I just like being told I was smart. Uh, no, I know. They don't know what we're talking about. Go no. ahead. Okay, so Dorothea writes, I'm trying to imagine the images of our military police expelling these Salvadorans from their homes. It will be ugly and embarrassing. Well, those images, Dorothea, are available every day of the week. This is what we do every day of the week. Do you see media covering that? Well, the stuff I mean, we're they're do- pulling children out of hospitals. They're, yes. they're arresting parents at the bedsides of their children. That's right. It is, it is, we they're are... holding teenage girls hostage. We are as ugly a country. I mean, it really, it does, it conjures images from, uh, you know, pre-World War II Germany. I'm sorry it does. I happen to see a, uh, I happen to see a uh, documentary uh, this weekend called Big Sonia, and Sonia is uh, was a survivor of the Holocaust, and what a remarkable woman! She's 92, lives in Kansas City, and is such a great character that this whole doc—I mean—carries the documentary. And as she tells her story, I mean, it, it, yeah, it's it's sort of like what you know, people being rousted from their employment, from their homes, separated out, children separated from parents, uh, armed men uh, taking you away. I'm sorry, that's the, the picture she was suggesting. The only thing different is we aren't immediately sending these people to their deaths, although some suggest that is what ends up happening um, in their countries and to, to many of them. It's, we are, I'm sorry, a vile nation now. Uh, Dorothea says, and with the primaries months away and a big election looming in November, removing minorities from this country will help the Republican cause. 
Well, these people couldn't vote. They weren't citizens. These aren't voters. If they were citizens, they couldn't remove them. They, but they, they did have a status that allowed them to be here legally. It was a protected and, status. And, right. Oh, jeez. You know, so, so this is not an argument about throw the illegals out. These people were allowed in and then given a special status for over 20 years. And to, to suddenly say, okay, well, now we've changed our... I mean, you can't... You are stopped. You cannot. Well, I mean, you know, the hardliners will say, look, I mean, this program is called a temporary status. Uh, but humane... When by your actions... When by your... No, excuse me. When by your actions, their actions, the government says, you know, that temporary has now gone on for 20 years. We take judicial notice of the fact that that's pretty permanent. And that you have settled here and that you are part of your communities and your children go to school here and are Americans. Um, It would be. I don't know any definition where 20 years is temporary. Well, so here we are. Now, the thing that can stop it is an act of Congress. Ha! So, guys, all the more reason to vote uh, in 2018 because you take over the Congress and we can pass legislation that would stop this. These guys have a year before they have to leave so that I think they're I really think they're they're doing this to get the wall built. They're gonna trade all of these lives for the wall. Using human if, if beings. You if you if we they are gonna use human beings Cynical. as as their yeah. Disgusting. It, it, ah. it is disgusting. They're the worst but that is clearly they're the worst, the worst, the worst. Got to tell you, it's stuff it's like cool. this that drives it me to... Was... What, Suze? Sorry. But look at the timing. I mean, no, I know. Now? No, no, no. I, I, I think, and people are saying, yeah, between DACA and this, these are all ways. That's well, why there's all these people meeting at the White House today on immigration. about DACA. Yeah. Right. They're so explicit about DACA already. That's already tied. They're just gonna. This is just additional fodder. That's all it is. These are not human beings. They are fodder. Unbelievable. Put up those Confederate statues. We're no better. Jenny writes. Prior to the singing of the national anthem at last night's game, Trump was escorted onto the field like a king being escorted to a coronation with complete regalia, military escort, and hail to the chief. If you listen close, you could hear plenty of boos. But I got the feeling, that's Dan Sath, but I got the feeling the network did their best to minimize the crowd reaction. The expression on Trump's face was that of an immature child at his own birthday party. Well, let's, we know, we know who he is. All of this, you know. Well, and in his defense, any president enjoys those moments and would have a self-satisfied look on their face. 
you know, it, it, that's what happens. I'm doing an obituary because it makes me feel better. Careful, the, the New York Times had to apologize for an obituary. Did they? Why? What did they do? They, um, when they wrote the obit on the uh, just departed head of the Mormon Church. Oh, yeah. Uh, people felt that they were, that they didn't pay any attention or enough attention to all his good works and only his stances on uh, gay marriage and uh, uh, something else. Um, I don't know. Okay. They had to apologize? They they. Well, there was a whole nod. There was just a, a big piece where they uh, published all these letters and let the obit writer respond. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Anyway, here's my obit of the day. And I, 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 I take refuge in these obituaries because they are often about lives well lived and um, people who make and it. because they're blessedly free. And, yeah, they don't have to suffer uh, President Trump anymore. I, I, yeah, I'm envious about that. But uh, Dr. Jimmy Holland, 89 years old. Jimmy, by the way, is a woman. And her parents named her Jimmy. It's not short for anything. Uh, she was born into a town of a hundred people in South Texas, and uh, parents were high school dropouts. And she had no more sense that a young girl like her could be anybody or do anything than you know than feeling like uh, you know she could jump over the moon so somehow though she made it to college and then from there was on her way and she ended up uh, becoming a doctor Uh, and back then you know uh, not a lot of women were becoming doctors right she she gravitated to um, psychiatry and she was married initially to another doctor who was an oncologist. And as she saw how he treated his patients and how the general protocols were, she got very upset <laughs> and felt that these people who were battling cancer were not being well served by the way we were doing uh, medicine. And she said their mental well-being was absolutely not even on the table. Um, and all that was on the table was what she called the tyranny of positive thinking. Uh, which is something that pisses me off too. And you see it a lot uh, when people are ill these days that the charges that you know your attitude is really important like somehow if you aren't like this happy-go-lucky warrior with an upbeat uh, attitude you are contributing to your own um, lack of good health and she said this look and if you don't get better it's your own fault yeah yeah yeah, 
So in other words, you're not, <laughs> it's your fault, right? It's all your fault. And she says, look, a good attitude is one thing, uh, and it won't hurt as long as it's coupled with competent medical care. But she says this, here's a quote, it's bad enough to have cancer. But when all of your family and friends are saying that you have to be positive, you have to fight this thing, and the patient is exhausted and beaten up by the treatments, it seemed to me, she said, that adding that burden to be positive was just ridiculous. And she said you end up with people being viewed as weak or as actually contributing to their own demise, which is what you just said. So she's the one who first started jumping all over uh, oncologists to treat uh, the emotional distress of, of patients, uh, to check on their emotions, just as you check, if you take vital signs, don't just stop at blood pressure and pulse and temperature and pain, but check for emotional stress. And um, she was the one who first put this out there. She was the head of, I guess, psychiatry at Sloan Kettering eventually and had a great impact on some oncologists <laughs> as uh, somebody who helped people uh, who were struggling with cancer. Uh, the chairman of the psychiatry department at Sloan Kettering said that she was a once-in-a-generation influencer. I never heard of her, but there she is, Dr. Jimmy Holland. Oh, okay. I came upon a little saying, which I came upon a little saying which I liked, and I thought was really smart, and I think applies to a lot of what we're dealing with in the United States right now. Um, and it's a quote uh, from H. L. Mencken, and he says he's obviously he's talking about how the truth is often disavowed uh, and, you know, shiny uh, falsehoods are grabbed onto. And he says, what ails the truth is that it is, well, uncomfortable often and dull often. And the human mind seeks something more amusing. Isn't that the truth? Don't give me yeah. the don't give me the truth. That's that's boring. Let's come up with a conspiracy theory. Let's uh, let's talk about Oprah for president. Let's let's not deal with reality. Okay. Let's take something easy, shiny, and uh, and get into that. And this is what brought us Trump. That kind of thinking. The truth? Who wants yeah, well, the truth? Yeah, it is what might just bring us Oprah. Uh, you know? It, it, uh. Well, I just want to say, uh, she's an extraordinary woman. 
Uh, she really is extraordinary woman. Oh, she uh, absolutely multi-talented. is. A better business woman than he is a businessman. Yes, that's for sure. She's that's self. She's a self-made right. billionaire. She is a motivator. Right. She is a positive force. Um, she's a good person. You can just tell by her life and her actions. She's in many ways everything he is not. But if we're going to get into only celebrities can be president, we're even more messed up than I suspect we are. Right, right. I mean, it was bad enough that only, you know, multimillionaire billionaires can afford to run for office. But now you have to be a television personality. Yeah. Because only, only, only name recognition will buy you in a place in our hearts. Right. Now, I mean, it's just w- discouraging, and I, I agree. I think she's a wonderful human being. That I can't think of a bad thing to say about her. The, the Red Meat Association has been pissed off at her variously during. Well, I, know, there's some things. There's piss. some things she's done that have <laughs> that are silly to me. She gets off well, on some well, new. Well, like she she brought us Doctor Phil and Doctor Oz. She brought us Doctor Phil and Doctor Oz. Yeah, and she yeah, can uh, get like new agey silly uh, at times. She she got behind that stupid book. Remember the what was it? That if you just dreamed about what you wanted, you could get it. Do you remember that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What was that? She was behind that. It's the stupidest thing I ever heard. A scam. So she yeah okay. So this just in. She's not perfect. Uh, but no. man, can she can she deliver? Can she write and deliver a speech? Yeah, that's why. I mean, she's who she is and what she's done. She is somebody who is charismatic, who is capable of moving a room full of people, and that's what you do want in a candidate. You want that ability. Um, I would say Bill Clinton had that ability. Barack Obama had that ability. Donald Trump apparently had that ability for his audience. <laughs> Lost to me. But there's a whole bunch of people who ran and never made it who didn't have anything approaching that quality. I give you John Kerry. I give you Michael Dukakis. I give you Al Gore. I mean, um, Democrats are forever putting people up who are just boring as holy hell. And the fact that so many people went berserk over her shows how, I think, how hungry uh, Democrats are, liberals are, for somebody who can carry our banner after we lost Barack. Yeah, well, we were hungry for machines. We were looking for Michelle Obama before Oprah. That's right. You know, we mean, really do want a black woman. <laughs> yeah. Well. Well, as did every every star at the at the uh, at the Golden Globes. It was beginning to look like the accessory of the night. What? Having a black woman? A a black woman activist on your arm. Oh yeah, there did seem to be a lot of that. Okay. Well, you know, it was it was getting. I mean, you know, I don't know. I thought it was getting a little 
stuff. Well, here's what I think about the Hollywood types trying, you know, like it or not. Being being all preachy. Well, like it or not, they have a platform. And um, they're human beings like we are. They're citizens like we are. And they have a platform. And if I had a platform, I'd use it. They have a platform. They use it. They're not suggesting that they know more, or are, but they have the right. I really do feel as they do. They do. No, I know. I thought it, I thought it was, you know, in its enormity and interesting and and powerful statement. I did. I but there were moments during that show when I I thought, for example, why am I beginning to feel sorry for Kevin Spacey? I don't want to feel sorry for Kevin Spacey. Why does being right give you a right to be to bully the the person that was previously the bullier? I don't. I I was uncomfortable several times during that evening. Well, just me. Huh? This is no. It's just part of again our culture being going downhill. Um, you know, Trump set up brought us so low where you could just kick anybody anytime and you know it turns out you know we're no different yeah i just but the last thing i want to feel is sorry for kevin spacey yeah so you know if you if you're getting me to that point what you're trying to do is 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 failing and i don't i if surely one of the lessons is thou shalt not be a by a willing bystander that that you truly are complicit so I I don't want to be a complicit in being the bullier of the bully of the bulliers. Well, not disagreeing. I ain't disagreeing with you. Okay, I got another great story. This is a great story. I can't believe it. It made my day. I found it yesterday. Um, this is still unsubstantiated by science. But let us say scientists are totally freaked out by it. And that is, there have been now up to 20 eyewitness accounts of this thing occurring. But nobody has managed to get it on, it's sort of like UFOs, right? Nobody has gotten it on camera. But 20 people who seem to be sane (laughs) have said the same thing. I couldn't believe it. Here's what I saw. And what it is, it all comes from Australia. Australia has had a huge drought. They have tons of uh, wildfires. What observers have seen is birds of prey, specifically Kites. Did you know that's a bird? A kite? Kites and falcons, I think. When there's a fire burning, they have seen the birds go in and snatch a burning twig or something, fly it over, to a place that's not on fire and drop it. 
20 people have reported this and ornithologists are going nuts because they're saying, wait a minute, is it conceivable that these birds of prey are causing they're, a fire? They're flushing out, they're flush they're flushing out prey. Uh-huh, they're flushing out prey. Is that not amazing? If that's true. Pretty amazing. So they're desperate. Pretty, pretty hard to fight a fire. Yeah, right. If the birds are working against you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I wonder if this is just an Australian bird thing or if it's made its way over to uh, the California birds because they could cause a lot of trouble there too. So, amazing. I, I just, I, I mean, I think it's, it just, it made my day. I, because any time we see uh, the capacity of nature and of the lower animals as we look down on them, um, to figure out, you know, to be tool makers essentially, because that's saying, oh, look at this. <laughs> Let me take some of that and put it over there where I know there's a bunch of rabbits. Right? Amazing. That was my favorite story. And now I have nothing. Um, Susan, there's a big, uh, one of the big, uh, you know, bellwethery uh, special elections after the ones we've seen in the South. Uh, and the latest being, of course, um, Roy Moore going down to a Democrat um, is happening here. Um right outside of Pittsburgh uh, in a congressional leg, guys. Yeah, in a congressional district that uh, was, well, first of all, made available because our the Republican congressman who uh, held the seat um, was found um, to have urged his mistress to get an abortion. When oh, I remember that. You remember that one? Okay. <laughs> yeah. And this, while he's a huge, you know, anti-abortion. Yeah, right to life. Or, yeah, right, 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 right. So uh, that that is uh, a congressional district. That is so normal. Yeah. I just can't tell you. Yeah. Well, the he got drummed out real fast and told, you get out of here, resign. So he did. Set up a special election, which will take place in March. And this is one of those extremely gerrymandered districts. If you were to see this district, <laughs> it's absurd. It's absurd. It snakes around through little bits and pieces of just desperately trying to make a solid Republican district, which they did. Right. It circles a Republican house. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. It used to be it used to be a Democratic district. As a matter of fact, the last Democrat who served in it, Doug Walgren, is somebody that I, I knew. And he actually gave me a, a lovely gift once, which I still have. When he was at the White House for something, he came upon that portrait. You would know it if you saw it. There's like a, a sort of a it's a portrait of JFK. Uh, sort of staring down. He's not looking at the, not looking at you. It's a, almost a view of his back and his side. 
and it's sort of this contemplative um, it's a beautiful thing and he took a picture of it and then mounted it and, and gave it gave it to me it's a beautiful beautiful picture but he was the last one it was uh, Rick Santorum who unseated him and then began his rise uh, but the Democrat, there's hope, even though the first polls out show this is a likely Republican win. That to, that to flip this district would be amazing. And if they flip the district, wow, it would presage a huge, huge uh, change election in 2018. Um, I don't know. The Democrats got a good can- candidate, I think, young guy, um, a former U.S. attorney, uh, I think a veteran as well. Yeah, veteran, all that. And he's got even a name that uh, resonates in the area because he's got m- members of his family who have been in public office. Anyway, he's running against a guy who says, I was Trump before Trump was Trump. That guy oh, is good. Yeah, that guy's already running ads. Well, he's not, but moneyed, repub- deep-pocketed Republican money is already got ads on television and radio, trumpeting uh, the Trump-like candidate. Uh, I've seen nothing for the Democrat, which already is making me nervous. So the Republicans are fighting. They're right in and pouring money in. Connor Lamb, who is the Democrat, said that if he is elected, he will not support Nancy Pelosi for Speaker of the House. Oh, he's the guy. He's the guy. I was reading about him. (coughs) I think this is very smart. Yeah. Time to shake up the party. Yeah. Let's shake it up, bring young people in, and get these old people out, however good they were. Get them out. And Republicans who hate powerful women, you know, loved Hillary as a constant uh, motivator for their voters. And absent Hillary, Pelosi. And in these races, they're saying, you want Nancy Pelosi back as Speaker of the House? These guys, they want Pelosi. So just the fact that this Democrat has now come out and said, I, he's taken that away from the Republicans. They can't tie him to Pelosi. That's a smart move. Right, right, right. Yeah. So I'm hoping. And he doesn't, and, he, and you know, he doesn't actually even have to accomplish it. He's just, uh, Yeah, you know. he just say it. And um, the, right. also... Uh, the guy, you've seen those other commercials for the guy who wants to impeach Trump. I think his name is Steyer. He's a, oh, yeah. a billionaire. Um, he Did now... He sign his petition? No. But he decided, and I think this is smarter, use his money. He's going he's gonna to fund... Uh, uh, he's going to give money to Connor Lamb is who he's going to give money to and other people like him. Uh-huh. He's right. going to try. So at least so the Republicans have so many sugar daddies and so much money to uh, you know pollute the airwaves uh, 
that we need our billionaires on the other side so that Connor Lamb has a chance. Because, of course, Susan, the Democratic, uh, the DNC or whatever the group is that would be helping Connor Lamb, they aren't in they yet. They seeded the race. They aren't in yet. Yeah. No. They're saying, well, we're watching this. And I'm thinking, you right. know what? They're waiting to see this whether is, it's worth I want them all out. I want the people who would say that. I want them out. You contest yeah, every yeah. race. Well, it takes money. They, they have to marshal their resources. That's their argument. Well... Our argument is that every race, that we're all Democrats, and we all want every every race to be hard fought, especially if there's a good candidate. Exactly. Exactly. We got a good candidate here. You know, evaluate the candidate, not the race. Right. And I also saw that the Republicans, get this, they have already opened field offices for the Republican congressman, I mean, would be, um, in the district, in two places, and they are hiring, listen to this, 250 people to knock on every door in the district. Now, Democrats ain't going to hire sure. people to knock on doors. They're going to rely on people like me and you. Well, you, they, know, you know what this reminds me of? When, 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 you know, all of us who uh, attended uh, marches or were against Donald Trump were getting paid by George Soros, and that was like a joke. Well, now the people that previously knocked on doors were volunteers and actually for their man. Right. Really now are paid for by the equivalent of a George Soros. Soros on the Republican <laughs> side. I mean, right, right. think of that. They're going to hire 250 mercenaries to knock on doors. That's how much money these assholes have. No, but you know what it is. Uh, it's also that precisely the way you introduced this subject, which was to say if they could turn this, it would really... Well, exactly. I mean, if this sure thing race is even close, that persuades other voters down the line. You know, there's just this whole group of people that like to run to the side of the ship that everybody else is running to. And, and, uh, and the trick is to get those people to run to your side. And every race that is close or that you win creates more people that will go your way because they like to be on the winning side. Yeah. But I, you know, the close, I mean, Democrats have already lost a bunch of close ones. Um, and that's not what we need. We don't need close. We need to win. No, we need to actually win. And we need to turn these uh, these Republican districts. I don't care if they're a Republican district. And I am telling uh, my audience you don't have to live in that district. I expect that a lot of uh, people uh, who want this to happen will put their energies, their bodies, their money, their knuckles, they'll door knock, they'll do it all. Um, if we're yeah, gonna... do it for free. Show them how it used to work. Yeah, exactly. 
And we're not going to expect to be paid to do it. Just do it. We've got to do it. And I, I don't Have know. Have you ever done that? Door knocked? I did once. Yeah. Um, it, it, I found it terrifying, personally, um, because i just not real good at, I know this strikes people as strange, but I'm not good at sort of interacting with people I don't know. Or not, yeah. Not the first time I I didn't I did it was in uh, 1970 when I was a student at Washington University and it was the year that the um, ROTC buildings were burned down on campus and school was ended early that year and um, a bunch of us decided to use the opportunity when we would have previously been in finals to. Uh, canvas neighborhoods and um, and uh, advance you know one political thought or another and explain actions and blah 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 and it was absolutely terrifying although interesting really interesting mm-hmm mm-hmm hey by the way I don't know if anybody you, you, there's a there's a it's not there anymore um, a the boondocks re- remember that when it was a um, a comic strip it was about yeah, black kid uh, and their grandfather. I think it was just Boondocks, not the Boondocks. No, I think it is the Boondocks. The maybe the. Well, I'm looking at a thing and it says the Boondocks, and okay. that was a guy named Aaron Magruder, who started it as a syndicated comic strip, but then j- took it um, to television, to the Cartoon Network. Uh, as an animated cartoon show, and I have to tell you, it was brilliant. It was cringe-ifying a lot. Uh, he did with black characters what nobody else would have the nerve to do. Uh, but at one point... Uh, where does it say? In the show's final, he had a, a, a an episode that won the Peabody Award, and it was about uh, Martin Luther King coming back to life, and that that he in fact he was not assassinated, and instead he had fallen into a coma, and in the episode he wakes up in the year two thousand. And he ends up fleeing the country <laughs> and to live in Canada. Anyway, Al Sharpton went berserk and he said the Cartoon Network must apologize and also commit to pulling episodes that desecrate black history and black historical figures. That episode won a Peabody Award. I mean, it, he, he does did things that were, you know, shocking and outrageous, but uh, thought-provoking. And in the final frame of that Peabody Award-winning episode of The Boondocks, a newspaper headline titled, uh, dated November 8, 2020, shows Oprah Winfrey has just been elected president. <laughs> right. 
That was an episode from 2005, I think. And he had, as the last frame, 2020, Oprah Winfrey wins the presidency. (laughs) Amazing. That's one of those shows I never, ever would have uh, known about or enjoyed if I didn't have a, you know, a young boy in my house who said... Who made you watch all sorts of drivel. (laughs) Actually, I think he turned me on to some of the greatest stuff on TV. The Cartoon Network had amazing shows, just as um, they still do. Like Futurama. Do you ever watch that? No, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And the other thing I just, before we leave, and we do have to leave, is there is a fitness chain that has uh, 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 gyms all over the country. And it's called Lifetime Fitness. And it has said that as of January 1, in their gyms, no CNN, no Fox, no Emmett, no news programs can be on the televisions. Because... <laughs> no, it's not fights. It's because they say that people who watch this stuff get angry, they get upset, and that what they're in the business of doing is helping people live a healthy lifestyle. And they say one of the ways we're going to do that is not allowing this upsetting crap to come into the experience of working out. So that's what they did. I think that's great. Well, good for them. Yeah. I yeah. think it's smart. And I think. And I, I, I find it harder and harder. <laughs> I think hospitals are next up. And in waiting rooms, in doctors' offices, and hospitals, get that, and too often it's Fox, get it off. It does nothing but upset people. I'd rather have some ridiculous soap opera on. I'd rather, actually, they turn the goddamn thing off. Well, there. No, well, you're just like, did we do it? Can yeah, I, we did it, I Susan. Take the poor dog out. He's sitting with his legs crossed. Okay, but he's been very good. Has it stopped raining? I think it has. Good. Okay. Well, uh, give Ernie my best. For that matter, give Mom uh, my best. And uh, and thanks, Suze. <laughs> good to have you back. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah nice to be back. Uh-huh. Okay, bye. Okay, bye-bye. All right, you guys, that was that. I'll see you again tomorrow. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.